0: Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include bond pricing, my interview with CHLA and Absolute Home Mortgage Corporation's Matt Van Fossen on issues being discussed in Washington, D.C., such as MLO compensation, realtor dual licensing, and the Digital Mortgage Initiative, and what to look for in today's busy economic calendar. Thanks to today's podcast sponsor. Visio Lending. Visio is the nation's premier lender for buy-and-hold investors with over $2.5 closed loans for single-family rental properties, including vacation rentals. Visio is fast, simple, and dependable when it comes to financing rental properties. They believe time is money and strive to be upfront and consistent about their qualifications. Using a simple DSCR rather than a complicated NOI calculation, there are no tax returns, or personal financial statements, and their pricing is set, so you always know your rate. Learn more, including about Vizio's top-notch broker program, at www.visiolending.com. Bond pricing advanced to open the week, dropping mortgage rates and treasury yields as traders unwound bets that the Federal Reserve will cut interest rates this year. While that may seem counterintuitive, the Fed holding rates higher for longer should stymie economic growth making the safe play of investing bonds a better bet relative to riskier investments. Fed Chair Powell's comments in front of Congress last week largely spelled the end for bets on rate cuts this year, and those previously dovish bets have been replaced by recession concerns in the face of further central bank tightening. Interestingly enough, rather than the market pricing in two hikes by the end of the year that the dot plot predicted after the last FOMC meeting, December futures now predict that the Fed funds rate will be 25 base points higher than it is Now, and I'd like to note for those reading the commentary rather than listening to it, the Fed does not capitalize the effective federal funds rate on its website, so we do not either. For today's interview, I want to welcome to the show CHLA and Absolute Home Mortgage Corporations, Matt Van Fossen, to talk about issues being discussed in Washington, D.C., such as MLO compensation, realtor dual licensing, and the Digital Mortgage Initiative. He's a successful entrepreneur and the CEO of Absolute Home Mortgage. He's the president of the New Jersey Mortgage Bankers Association and the vice president and board member of directors for the Community Home Lenders of America. He also serves as vice president of the Community Home Lenders of America, a national nonprofit association of small and mid-sized community-based mortgage lenders that promotes federal mortgage programs, rules, and regulations which treat community mortgage lenders fairly so you serve as the vice president of the community home lenders of america and it's a great association because there's small lenders mid-sized lenders community based mortgage lenders it's all of them pr- promoting federal mortgage programs rules regulations that are meant to treat mortgage lenders fairly so i kind of i want to start broad here and say what have been topics of interest in washington lately what have been discussions at meetings what's what's kind of on the agenda for Uh, Those at CHLA. Sure. Um, So
1: yeah, it's it's a pleasure to work with uh, my fellow board members, my fellow members at CHLA. You know, the independent mortgage banker over the past decade has uh, you know developed a footprint in the industry that we represent a large portion of the residential mortgages being originated in the marketplace, especially ones that are to low to moderate income borrowers and underserved communities. So uh, we've created a foothold in the mortgage industry that uh, the independent mortgage banker is that who represents that that community, right? And that, that small to mid midsize banker. And it's important that there's an independent voice for them. So when we go down to Washington and we do our fly-ins and uh, we have our members and our constituents meeting with policymakers, right? Meeting with the, the heads of agencies, their staffers, uh, we try to give them the vibe on the street. What what our view is of how regulatory uh, or regulation in usage is actually applied, right? Because some stuff sounds good on paper, But when you actually look at how it's actually applied, uh, it might be a different story. And a perfect example of that, Rob, is the most recent thing that we did with the debt to income uh, LLPAs, the loan level price adjustments, uh, the DTI LLPAs. You know, the GSEs had an initiative, right? FHFA had an initiative. They needed to hit certain capital requirements um, based on the previous administration, what they put out there. So you know, when they looked at it, they said, hey, LLPAs are a great way to do this. And when we looked at the DTI one, uh, it was just a really bad clerical decision uh, to be able to implement that. Uh, the, the clerical implementations and also how it crosses with some TRID compliance about redisclosure and having interagencies talk, the CFPB talk to FHFA and trying to understand that it may actually mislead consumers, right? And that was what we did. We developed a policy around it, and we developed an opinion. And we went over to FHFA and we had that discussion with the director. We said, "Hey, these are the implementations on the street level. this uh, you know, this is what a consumer would would see. How would a consumer feel if their interest rate changed? three or four times during the transaction as their debt to income fluctuated from a 39 to a 41 on borderline transactions. And I think that was a big win. It wasn't only a big win for CHLA, it was a big win for the entire industry. A lot of our trade organizations went out and advocated for it, but it's the most uh, recent um, example of ag- advocacy in action, right? coming from the standpoint of independent mortgage bankers saying, hey, if this ruling goes through, if this goes through, this is the implementations on the street level, and this is exactly how it's going to affect consumers, uh, let's let's revisit this. Uh, and the important thing is the policymakers and the administrations, they listen, right? They, they do have an open year, and it shows you that, that the efforts do work. You're not going to win every single time, but uh, if you can get a couple through, then you're in a good
0: situation. That certainly was a big win with the DTI, LLPAs, and I want to commend you there. Another big topic that certainly a lot of those in the industry are monitoring is LO Comp. And and when it comes to LO Comp, it seems like it's kind of been feast or famine, where we were hearing about these big signing bonuses for some people, other LOs, they're closing zero, one or two loans a month. They're, They're having a really tough time. What's the latest with LO Comp from CHLA's perspective? So, so MLO is a difficult one
1: uh, because it really comes down to timing and getting on the agendas. We've been uh, fighting for MLO Comp revisions and reform for six years now. Uh, we started our initiatives in 2017 with the previous administration. We've seen uh, four CFPB directors cycle through that we've petitioned uh, for MLO comp reform. Uh, our stance on it revolves around a three-pronged approach that we would really think would help the industry out because not only are lenders struggling on a cost basis, but MLO compensation compliance does make it uh, difficult to be more competitive, especially in challenging rate environments due to the restrictions so we have a three-pronged approach that we're looking at that we're continuing to petition the cfpb on uh for nlo comp perform one of them being um HFA programs, housing finance agency programs. Right now, compensation is restricted on them. Usually uh, IMBs make limited revenue on them and we are unable to reduce compensation for the MLO to make it uh, actually available for a lot of these loan officers of the company to offer the housing finance agency down payment assistance and state level programs. So one of our carve outs is we're asking for an exemption Uh, for housing finance agency loans that an MLO can receive different compensation on that program versus other loan programs. Uh, The second being MLO compensation price competition that if an MLO can demonstrate that they had a pre-existing relationship with the client let's say a loan officer pre-approves a customer 3 4 months ago they work with them for several months on multiple offers and pre-approvals and one, one when one gets accepted the consumer starts rate shopping in fact they're encouraged to rate shop there's a chance that they can lose that transaction and the MLO compensation plan that they're on may actually impact their ability to be competitive in the market and we're asking that if there is a pre-existing relationship that the MLO uh, has the ability to reduce their compensation uh, and do a pass through of that compensation to the consumer to help get a lower interest rate and then the the final item um is actual accountability right uh, that if there's a uh, a path or a, a pattern of errors by the mortgage loan originator, they should be able to be held accountable. Right now, there's no mechanism that uh, we can actually hold MLOs accountable to errors inside of loan files. Uh, the compensation is what it is. So we were asking for a carve-out uh, that would say that if MLO is not following certain policies or procedures, they can the company um, a substantial amount of money, uh, the MLO's compensation may be reduced for certain er- uh, continuous errors that are demonstrated throughout the loan file. So we believe that you know those three issues are within the CFPB director's ability to actually sign off on, to look at it. It would definitely open up a lot more flexibility in MLO compensation across the country uh, and create a more even balanced playing field for IMBs.
0: When it comes to rules and regulations, I know a kind of contentious topic out there is realtor dual licensing and, and I'm not very well versed on this, but it, it, from some research I did, it sounds like it's when a, a real estate licensee or licensees hold more than one license at a time uh, or or with different firms. Can you tell us maybe give us a better definition of it than I just did and, and what what issues are, are going on there?
1: Yeah, 100%, you know, th- this is a new hot button issue, and it, and it really started and came out of nowhere last December. On December 15th, FHA released a mortgagee letter, uh, and that was December 15th, 2022. Uh, and it more or less said that uh, dual compensation is now uh, permitted, that a real estate agent could receive dual compensation, uh, meaning represent the buyer or seller uh, in the real estate transaction and also be the loan officer. Um And, you know, we went and we spoke with FHA and the FHA commissioner about this. Uh, And, you know, what we found out was that it was really, uh, we viewed it as policy change, right? That we saw that FHA had not previously allowed this. It was referred to in general in the industry as a proxy for IMBs that uh, FHA did not want to see dual compensation, a real estate agent getting loan officer commission and real estate commission on the same transaction. And uh, I feel that FHA really looked at GSE policies. They looked at what FHFA allows, what Fannie allows, what Freddie allows, and all they did is bring it to parity, uh, meaning that they said, hey, we're going to look at it the same way that the GSEs do, and it lifted this proxy. So Now, there's a lot of buzz in the industry. What does this mean for real estate agents? Will this be leveraged? Right? Will real estate agents start Uh, looking to get more MLO licenses. And we haven't seen that big of a mad dash rush yet in the industry, but we are starting to see some of the marketing come out. We're starting to see some of the lenders start to take uh, the jump over to say, hey, become a real estate agent, loan officer, uh, and you can do it through, through our firm. So, you know, with that, what we said at CHLA was, you know, we wanna look at this in the positive light. We don't wanna come out and say, this is this is a bad thing that agents may tread into our territory. We feel that if the regulatory agencies are allowing it, well, let's just put uh, a little bit of constraint around it to make sure that consumers are protected if it's gonna start being more general practice. So we came up with a couple of uh, options that we're presenting right now. One of the recommendations we made was, if a real estate agent is going to act and represent themselves as an MLO, one, they have to pass the SAFE Act test, uh, meaning that you know they can't go and just work for a federal registered bank um, and bypass the MLO SAFE Act cr- uh, credentials like some bank loan officers can. We think that you know there has to be some type of barrier of entry and we feel that uh, what the SAFE Act did with put in pr- provisions for MLO licensing Uh, meaning the 20 hours of initial continuing education and also the uh, SAFE Act NMLS test. Uh, That should be a minimum, that the real estate agents can't bypass that by working for a federal registrant that they need to actually hold a real MLO license. Uh, The second being um, no double side of the transaction dual comp. What does that mean? Um, I can't represent the seller represent the buyer in the real estate transaction and represent the buyer's mortgage. Right now there's no regulation that would stop that. And when you think about, you know, consumer uh, consumers here, it makes sense that a listing agent should not represent the buyer's mortgage, right? They're, they would be preview to too much information that could be used to steer the consumer in the wrong direction, right? You wouldn't want a listing agent to know your max debt to income, your max affordability, and how much disposable cash you have in the bank, because then they would be able to know what price points they can push you up into, right? And we're not saying agents would do that. Um, we're not saying that at all. We're just saying that there needs to be some um, regulatory red tape, if you will, that wraps around um, this this scenario. That kind of says, "Hey, we, the, we we're not going to buy a loan from that." You know, maybe maybe FHFA or or um, FHA won't insure a purchase loan if the the seller of the uh, the listing agent represents. Uh, the buyer of their property as an MLO, and we feel that you know keeping those two categories, the agents have to be licensed, and there can't be uh, a double stacked, dual representation, dual comp in the transaction. Would put just a couple of restrictions on on this to make sure that consumers aren't harmed too much, and uh, give us some general guidelines for the industry.
0: I very much appreciate that CHLA looks out for both consumers and independent mortgage banks. I think it's it's really great the the mission that you guys are on there. I do want to close with a little rosier subject here, and that is the digital mortgage initiative. And uh, I know I, I spoke with Scott Olson about this a little while ago, uh, but can you fill listeners in on, on what the digital mortgage initiative is and uh, kind of the the current status of it?
1: Yeah. So this is uh, one of our first cracks at going out of the regulatory arena and actually starting to make new types, types of recommendations to the agencies. Uh, it's interesting. When we say we sell loans to Fannie or Freddie and we sell them digitally, what we're really saying is we're selling them a stack of PDF documents in a stacking order. Uh, and that stack put into a mortgage tape, sold off in uh, a securitization and it goes to Fannie or Freddie, and then you, know, you have a QC review process, usually six or 7% sampling. And they have to pull that digital package off the shelf and they have to go page by page in that PDF stack and review uh, review that file. What we're, we're saying is that now with the onset of new technology, day one certainty, verification of assets, verification of income, uh, these automated point of sale systems, all the new tech, FinTech that's out there, Behind the PDFs is actually a very important digital document. It's called an XML document, and it contains all the data inside of this. Uh, in fact, that uh, Fanny did this with um, appraisals with the UCDB portal about six years ago. That whenever a appraisal is done you actually upload the XML data file to a central directory and that's what when during the pandemic we started to see more appraisal waivers come out it's because they had the raw data so what the digital mortgage initiative is is that it's CHLA lobbying FHFA to start allowing and creating a delivery mechanism that IMBs can deliver a digital mortgage stack of XML files to sell alone What does that mean? The verification of assets, the verification of income, the appraisal, the ERLA will all be delivered, not in a PDF file, but a raw data stack. And if the GSEs are willing to purchase mortgage-backed securities in raw data stacks, it will solve a lot of the QC issues because we can make the automated underwriting engines Intelligent enough to read these data stacks before closing, to go and look for errors or emissions, to go look for potential buybacks, to do a pre-QC before the transactions actually consummated, which will reduce a lot of fraud in the industry. It'll reduce buybacks. So make it very simple for GSEs to decompile large pools of mortgage-backed securities. And in short, we're looking to PDF. Delivery to digital XML files when selling uh, securities.
0: These conversations are, are very exciting for me because I think it's a incredibly good time for consumers to shop for a mortgage. We're on the, the forefront of this digital revolution. Uh, AI is coming into the process. All these things are happening. I really appreciate CHLA looking out for consumers and independent mortgage banks And I want to thank you for your time today. I thought this was great. Thank you for all the knowledge and hopefully we'll have you back on soon.
1: You got it, Rob. Thank
0: you so much. Today's busy calendar is underway with durable goods orders for May, which came in up 1.7% and excluding transportation up 0.6%. Expectations were for an increase of 0.4% versus 1.1% previously. Later this morning rings Redbook same-store sales, Case-Shiller and FHFA home price indices, May new home sales, April Consumer Confidence, expected to improve, Richmond Fed Manufacturing and Services for June, Dallas Fed Texas Services, and a Treasury auction of $43 billion five-year notes. Of particular interest would be the home price indexes. S&P gauges saw month-over-month readings increase in March for the first time since last June. This forecast comes in up 0.4%, with tales of bidding wars coming back. New home sales are expected to come in at a 675000 annualized rate, down 1.2% from the previous release. Later this week brings pending home sales on Thursday, followed by the Fed's beloved PCE index, expected to drop to 3.8 annualized from 4.4%, and the U.S. Inflation Expectations Index on Friday. We begin the day with agency MBS prices unchanged from yesterday's levels, and the 10-year yielding 3.72 after closing Monday at 3.72%, the two years at 4.70%. Maybe I should apologize for the wind noise. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. It was a sunny Sunday morning on the Whistling Straits golf course in Wisconsin, and I was beginning my pre-shot routine, visualizing my upcoming shot when a voice came over the clubhouse speaker. Shh. Well, the gentleman on the woman's tee back up to the men's tee, please? I was still deep in my routine, seemingly impervious to the interruption. Again, the announcement rang out louder. Would well, the man on the woman's tee kindly back up to the men's tee? I simply ignored the request and kept concentrating. When once more, the man yelled, Would the man on the woman's tree back up to the men's tree, please? I stopped, turned, looked through the clubhouse window directly at the person with the microphone and shouted back, Would the person in the clubhouse kindly stop shouting and let me play my second shot? (laughs) Thanks again to today's sponsor, Vizio Lending. Vizio has originated over 14,000 DSCR loans for long and short-term rental properties. They offer qualifications based on DSCR rather than personal DCI, so no tax returns or complicated NOI calculations. Through their top-rated broker program, Vizio brokers can earn up to 5%. Learn more at Visiolending.com.